I identify with that meme that was going around that was like too old for TikTok, <laughs> like not enough of a baddie for Instagram. Like y'all can't take this away from me. Hey there, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Elon Musk has been at the helm of Twitter for 48 days and it's been chaotic. He stripped the company of over 7,000 employees and much of the confidence that the social platform can stay alive. I mean, a few weekends ago, a lot of us logged on to see if the site was still running. And if Twitter dies, so too would the online communities that have been built on the platform. And one of the most influential of those communities, and the one dearest to me, is Black Twitter. It was a sort of FUBU aesthetic for us and by us. That's Jason Parham. He's a senior writer for Wired.com, and he's written a lot about Black Twitter, which is, if you know, you know, the loose community of Black people, including writers, activists, celebs, and everyday users who regularly lead conversation on the app. Black Twitter has launched a thousand memes. Lamb, rams, hogs, dogs, chicken, turkeys, rats, you name it! But it's also the birthplace of world-shifting social movements. Seeing those videos of George Floyd's arrest and his death spread across Twitter and Instagram, and a movement was born. The hashtag Black Lives Matter had been shared on Twitter a record 8.8 million times. The lack of diversity among the Oscar nominees topped headlines and dominated social media with the hashtag Oscars so white. This news is important to us. These issues are important to us. And we're going to speak about them truthfully without any of the filtering that the media does. Last year, Jason published A People's History of Black Twitter, an oral history that delved into some of the biggest moments from Black Twitter through the voices that built it. He says he wanted to have that record just in case for some reason Twitter would end. Talk about foreshadowing. The oral history was important for me to do because I think so much of Black genius and Black creativity is stolen, is erased, is co-opted, as we've seen on TikTok, as we've seen in other sort of digital harbors across the internet. Um, So I wanted to really document Black Twitter at a moment in time with enough depth and distance from its founding to say, hey, look what we've done, look what we've built. And I'm kind of glad I did because with Elon Musk, you know, I mean, it might be gone tomorrow, it might be gone next week, it might be gone in a year. But now we have this document of Black Twitter that, you know, we were saying, hey, we were here and this was really important to us. And I was, you know, I'm glad I was able to sort of put it together. When we were preparing for this conversation, I was telling the team that, like, one of the things that blew me away about your series is, like, seeing all of Twitter's, like, best moments compiled in one place because in between there is so much foolishness. It's so much stuff that just gives me a headache about, like, $200 dates and, like, whether or not you want to have, like, half a million dollars of dinner with Jay-Z. Like, there's so much nonsense in between all of that. Hoteps. (laughs) Yes. There's just so much nonsense that's happening all day long. Um but still, I, I still have a lot of affection for the platform. Obviously, when you when you wrote that series, Black Twitter was still alive and well, I think, in a way that a lot of people don't feel it is now. I wonder even from like a digital archiving perspective, why was it necessary for you to not just document the influence, but the existence of this digital community? If you really think about the social internet, the social internet is built from a place of loss, right? So even Twitter is built from the ashes in a way of Tumblr, of Facebook, of MySpace, Hmm. of Black Planet. 
there's this narrative of impermanence when you think about the social internet. And so Mm -hmm. things don't feel as tangible to us. And so I think it was important for me to say this thing happened during this period of time. And it's important to put that in the world and to put it in a place where somebody can't take that away from us. Hmm. These are the cultural practices that are happening online. These are the people that are pushing the culture forward. This is the way that Hmm. Blackness is communing and fellowshipping and driving culture online. And just to put it in the world and have a a document that couldn't be taken away. So that's what we're going to do today. Document Black Twitter's influence on culture and then look toward the future. Where will our community go next? We'll get into it after a quick break. Hi, Jason. I'm so excited to be talking today about Black Twitter. Um, So... (laughs) How did Black users take what Twitter was originally used for and create what we have now? I mean, as Black people always do, we sort of come in a space and make it our own. This was around September 2009. A hashtag was starting to go viral. You know you're Black when. And this was sort of the first instance of Black folks coming together in a sort of unique and organic way around one major hashtag on the platform. And this was the beginning of Black Twitter sort of threading itself together. I joined Twitter in like August of 2009. I think that hashtag was like one of my first um, exposures. (laughs) (laughs) That was like my first exposure to the idea that there were just all these Black people all over who could talk to each other and kind of compare notes in a way, specifically with the hashtag. Since then, Black Twitter has become this whole other thing. How has Black Twitter itself evolved since its early days to now? Like walk us through some of Black Twitter's most pivotal eras. The first era I would mark of Black Twitter is from 2009 to 2013 or 14. Mm. This was what a lot of people might describe as the wild, wild west days when people were just on there (laughs) having fun. You would have celebrities like Rihanna and Ciara beefing with each other, you know, going back and forth. (laughs) You would have... Twitter after dark, which after sort of 11 p.m., people would get raunchy and nasty and kind of just have fun and joke. And then sometime around 2013, 2014, when you have Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown, I like to think of Black Twitter as it grew up a little bit. It had to sort of Hmm. become this platform for social justice. People were using it as a sounding board, a platform to speak to injustice. The killing of Trayvon Martin happened down in Florida, and it really wasn't getting a lot of national news. And there were people on Black Twitter talking about, like, why is nobody talking about this? What's going on? We need to bring attention to this. And then that's sort of how it blew up into sort of the public discussion of Black Lives Matter. The movement started because of Black Twitter. Mm -hmm. And the second era is the most pivotal era, I would say, of Black Twitter. When you have Black Lives Matter crystallizing online and on the streets, you have people really using it as a one-to-one communication platform for news, people on the ground in Ferguson reporting what's happening. And then it's a direct Mm -hmm. pipeline to the larger world, right? 
for so long, we've had media outlets like CNN and MSNBC and, you know, local news stations that often don't get to the nuts and bolts of what's happening in our community and in our stories, the meat of the message mm-hmm. and the meat of the matter, I like to say. But Black Twitter during this moment, during especially during the summer of 2014, when you had Mike Brown and Eric Garner, yeah. they were really speaking truth to justice. It was the place I went to every morning to see what was happening in Ferguson. I, you know, I, I wasn't down there, but I had a few friends down there and other reporters that I trusted and the first place I went every morning was Twitter to really get the the feel of what was happening on the ground. Me too. No, I had the, I was work. I wasn't in media back then, but I was working a corporate job, and um, I was the only black person in my office, not by choice, <laughs> but I was the only black person in my office, and I remember being there all day, and nobody else in my office had heard this story for at least a few days, and. I would call my parents and they weren't seeing it covered on the local or national news. I didn't have a television at the time. This was, this was, it was lean times, but I um, would sit up at night refreshing my Twitter feed to see videos or photos that people were dropping through. Like you said, there were reported, there were reporters that I trusted that I was following who I knew were on the ground there. It felt like for me, as somebody who got a lot of, what do they talk about? Media literacy training in, in, (laughs) in elementary and middle school. It felt like such a pivotal turning point in realizing that you said that like the people could provide where traditional media could not. What is it about the mechanics of Twitter that made it particularly useful for sparking these cultural moments like Black Lives Matter or even Oscar So White, another huge hashtag that brought a lot of necessary attention to the dynamics of Hollywood? For me, Twitter is the one place above all other social media platforms that brings the entire internet into it, right? Hmm. It's a texting platform. It's a photo app. It's a meme incubator. It's a cultural engine. It's sort of using the internet in a way that TikTok is unable to, to, that Facebook is unable to, that Instagram is unable to. It's able to reflect our voices in sort of a multi-platform way, if that makes sense, right? So like we're able to get Mm -hmm. our messages out, talking, um, texting, um, but we're also able to upload video. We're also able to connect with people through hashtags, see what's happening in other sort of siloed Black communities on Twitter. Um, It's really Mm -hmm. this multi-platform effort that stands above other social media platforms. You know, if Twitter really does go down and takes Black Twitter with it, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be sad, but we're not going to dwell on that. Next up, we're looking to the future. Where could all of the influence and the intellect of Black Twitter find a new home? We break down the options after a quick break. Okay, so, you know, we've been talking about the possible death or at least likely future death of Black Twitter. Um, I want to conclude our conversation by playing a game with you about where the community of Black Twitter could go next. And you get to decide, okay? We call this game. There's no there's no way that there's no way you can lose it. You look you got this look on your face like I will play a game, but there's no way you can lose it, okay? <laughs> we call this game Tired, Wired, or Inspired. So tired is like, no, stop. This needs to end. No. 
Wired is like, okay, yes, I'm vibing. This is cool. And Inspired is like, yes, this is the moment. Must have. Need to do it. Okay. And you have to label. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three options. Okay. And you have to label each of these options as one, either tired, wired, or inspired. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Are you ready? No, but let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Number one, black Twitter stays on Twitter. Tired, wired, inspired. Wired. Wired. Why do you say wired? I personally don't believe Twitter is going to go anywhere within the next two or three years. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of Black users are just going to ride it out until it dies, until it's on its literally on its last leg. Um, unless something really revolutionary or extraordinary pops up in the next year or two, which mm-hmm. it might and very well could. And I think a lot of people are jockeying to replicate what's happened on Twitter and on Black Twitter. But I think a lot of people are going to stay on the app. I mean, I don't tweet as much anymore. But I still lurk, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be on there. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for people's green do. circles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Thought number two. Black Twitter moves to Mastodon. Tired, wired, inspired. Uh, tired. I agree. Uh, I just... One, I don't really understand Mastodon, and I don't feel like learning a new social media <laughs> platform. <laughs> it, it it doesn't lend itself to what makes Black Twitter so great, which is community without borders, right? Um, and mm. I think Mastodon, the whole trick of it is that it's kind of walled off. People are siloed off in their bubble communities. And in a lot of ways, that's what... Black Twitter is, that's what NBA Twitter is, that's what freak Twitter is. You have these sort of siloed communities, but they're able to exchange in a way that's more free-flowing that I think Mm. is not capable on Mastodon in a way that's organic Mm. and feels feels right. Mm. I am in agreement with you. I um, I also have to I have to be honest. I've never even I clicked on a link to Mastodon and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I've seen enough. <laughs> like I'm good. I'm like, if it's gonna require more than me just typing in any thought that comes into my head, I can't participate. I'm sorry. It's just not for me. It's not for me. Yeah, it's way too confusing. <laughs> it's too confusing. Okay. Last thought. <clears throat> what do you think about this? Black Twitter moves to a super massive group chat with thousands, maybe millions of people. What do you think? Tired, wired, inspired. Inspired. (laughs) You know, we're always looking for like the next cookout, the next soul train line. I think that's what is the the beauty and the brilliance of Black Twitter right now. It feels like a giant group chat. And I think if somebody can really replicate that somewhere else in a place that Mm -hmm. is really for us and by us, I'm with it. I... I'm gonna I'm gonna need something with just text. Like I just need that's that's but that's text. that's that's why it's so successful, right? That's people. It's it's mm. so much easier just to text something really quickly or respond really quickly with a text than have to sit down and do a a, a voice note or audio recording or listen to people say something. So you can really just like shoot off a text, and it's. I think that's why it's so successful globally, um, because mm. it's just it's it's, it's people just want to communicate really quickly and efficiently. And Twitter was able to replicate that in a really helpful way. What, what do we lose if Black Twitter disappears? 
Gosh, what don't we lose? Um, we lose a place to really have our voices heard if you think about all the incidents over the last decade of police brutality that you would have never heard about, all the social justice movements that are happening, um, all the hashtags like Oscar so white um, or you okay sis, things like mm-hmm. me too. I mean, these things, these things are sort of indispensable, you know, in a culture that needs information that thrives on information because mm-hmm. information, not to sound corny, but information is power. And when you siphon information from a Republic, from a democracy, you have somebody like Elon Musk at the top. And it's like, well, it's like that meme. It's like, oh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> From little women. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yes, what the hell we going to do now? <laughs> one, of my fa- one of my favorite moments, like, of all meme culture uh, that, that I frequently see circulated on Twitter. Oh. And that's the thing. We, we, we would lose meme culture. We, in a lot of ways, if you think about it, I like to think of Twitter, if you think of the social internet as a body, I like to think Mm -hmm. of Twitter as kind of its lungs, right? It's breathing air throughout the entire body. It's making sure things move and function properly. It's giving life to other organs in the body, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so without that, what do you, I mean, it's... Oh, it's tough. It's it's it, a giant. I think the the social internet would lose its center in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about earlier. Twitter kind of feels. We like to complain that Twitter feels like a hellscape, but it really is <laughs> a wonderful place. And I think it's given us so much. And without it, it's going to be really hard to connect, to find joy online, to. Um, really just be who we are. Um, It's defined so much of this early social internet era. Um, And without it, you know, it's hard to say, but I am excited for if something comes next, you know, this is the life cycle of the social internet. Things die and then new things are made. (sighs) I'm going to be there to the last days though. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll be right there next to you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Jason, thank you so much for joining me today on the show to talk about one of my most favorite places in the world. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That was Jason Parham, a senior writer at Wired.com. You can find a link to his multi-part series called A People's History of Black Twitter in the description of this episode. This episode was produced by Barton Girdwood and Alexis Williams, and it was edited by Kitty Isley and Jessica Plachek. I'm your host, Brittany Luce. And thank you for listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. Talk soon.